Hi, I'm Jason. Hi, I'm Vivian. And this is Burger of the Week. Each week, we discuss an episode of the Fox animated series Bob's Burgers, and we create a themed burger based on the episode. This week, we're talking about Crawl Space, Season 1, Episode 2. This episode was written by Lauren Bouchard and Jim Dotrieve, the same pair that we saw write the pilot episode. The director is Kyung Hee Lim, and the air date was January 16th, 2011. And before we go any further, there's just a little reminder that I definitely won the Burger of the Week last week. Oh, so it's a challenge now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, if we're coming up with the best names, then the best one wins. Oh, good point. Well, you didn't win last week, but... You never know. I could blow you out of the water this week. So. <laughs> Not a chance. Oh, Not come a chance. On. <laughs> it's crawl space. I have the perfect burger. Oh, come on. This week, we'll see a few new voice actors. Renee Taylor voices Gloria, Linda's mother. The actress is best known for playing the outspoken mother on The Nanny. I originally thought that this was John Roberts, the voice of Linda, that ended up doing this voice as well. For Gloria? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... John Benjamin does the voice of Al just for this episode, so... Oh, he does? Yeah. <laughs> I think Al only says a couple of things. In the first episode, yeah. And then we do see him later on in the show, and uh, we do have a different voice actor for him. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but it's a few more seasons until we see them again. So okay. So they grab a new, uh, a new actor. That makes sense. Larry Murphy voices Teddy, and he will later voice Gretchen... And Edith. He voices Gretchen? He voices Gretchen, I know. How did I, I not know that? It's fantastic. That's I really love Gretchen. I can't wait till she comes in. Brunette Gretchen. Best Gretchen. <laughs> <laughs> and David Herman voices Mr. Frond. Oh, God, I love Mr. Frond. Oh, Mr. Frond is fantastic because he's such an annoying person. <laughs> so, so weird. He's so over the top. It's, it's one of the characters that I feel is kind of brought over from home movies. Just that style of character. He's just really, really weird. Mm -hmm. Love him. I know David Herman as David Nabbit from Angel. He was oh, the right. very was the, awkward... the rich guy, right? Yes, the very awkward rich guy. They ended up basically just forgetting about his character sadly he had a cape he had a cape and cordelia was weirdly attracted to him because he had money and he had good financial Stab sense <laughs> he had financial stability too <laughs> he had, yes of course he was a billionaire but he also knew a lot about money and she found it very attractive that's true he did he yeah. was smart capability is attractive though i agree with cordelia on that front we should get her into bob's yeah, definitely. Cordelia <laughs> Chase. That's what Bob's is missing. She could give Gretchen some fashion sense. Sure. <laughs> yeah. The story this week was Trot's all-natural fertilizer. So, poop jokes, guys. Poop <laughs> jokes. Episode two. <laughs> We're it's already okay. poop jokes. Episode one had a few poop jokes, too. So, <laughs> The exterminator van outside this week was also rats all, folks. So the same as the pilot. I don't think it's going to change for a couple of weeks. No. And we had a few different burgers of the day. We had Never Been Feta, which was promptly <laughs> thrown out by Louise, who decided to instead go with Foot Feta-ish Burger. Little side note here. I dressed up as Louise for Halloween a couple of years in a row. 
And the second time I decided to bring my own little burger of the day chalkboard and put it around my neck. That was the burger I decided to put on my of chalkboard. all the burgers you could choose, you chose Foot Fetish Burger. Well, yeah. It's funny. <laughs> I like it. It's really stupid, but I think it's funny. And the last burger was the Toonami, brought to you by Gloria. Bringing an outside meat. Outside protein, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Bob does not like outside proteins. He's a beef man through and through. In the first act, Linda is in a cleaning frenzy in anticipation of her parents' visit. When she asks Bob to fix a leak in the attic, he discovers a crawl space and promptly climbs down. When Grandma Gloria and Grandpa Al arrive, Bob pretends to be stuck to avoid his in-laws. So the opening shot, we see the back of the restaurant, which we've never seen before, and we actually learn that Bob and his family live above the restaurant. And another thing is that Bob is still wearing his apron. In the house, he's not at work. He's just wearing his apron. I think they do that a lot in the first season. I don't think that he takes his apron off at home very much. Yeah. I find Tina to be already more interesting in this episode than she was in the pilot. In the pilot, she was pretty much just a joke about an itchy crotch. So they weren't utilizing her very well. But in this episode, we can see that she's dealing with her budding sexuality. She's trying to sort of figure out what it means to have these kind of urges. And she's... (laughs) Poor girl (laughs) is dealing with some really confusing dreams about zombies making out, and I just feel bad for her. But really, she's becoming a more well-developed character. Yeah, you start to see some of the things that she really likes, and uh, they're a little weird. Oh, yeah, because you get to see that she has, like, horse posters, and you can kind of, you get the sense that she's probably this awkward loner at school, that she most likely doesn't have a lot of friends, and that she might find it hard to relate to people of her age. Mm-hmm. They just wouldn't understand her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just wouldn't get her. They wouldn't get her attraction to zombies. And, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, her dream basically looks like if The Walking Dead was a porno. Yeah. And nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Even I felt a little awkward watching animated zombies get all I mean, smoochy. there's a tongue that goes through their cheek. Nope, and goes nope. through an ear. No, no, no. And like, oh, I bet the animators were just having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> so what'd you do at work today, honey? Well, I drew a tongue poking in and out of a zombie's face. Fun. It was hot. <laughs> Linda doesn't get as much to do still in this episode. I still find that she's a bit of a nagging wife. But I do like her little cleaning frenzy and the way that she uses this cutesy voice on Bob to get him to do something for her. Mm -hmm. Because that is me. I absolutely (laughs) do that. Anytime anybody is coming over to visit, whether it's a friend or my parents are dropping by our apartment, I clean. A lot. (laughs) Regardless of whether the apartment is already fairly clean. I can neither confirm nor deny it. And we also get to see that Bob and Louise have this really cute connection. Louise makes this, well, she does a voice of her grandmother, you know, she's impersonating (laughs) her. And you can see that clearly she doesn't care that much for her grandmother either. So it's nice to see that they've got this sort of connection over something that they hate. You know how you can bond with somebody because of a mutual thing that you just despise? (laughs) Yep. Not saying that Louise despises her grandmother, but clearly she finds her annoying. 
Yeah, they they definitely have a similarity there. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear my impression of Grandma? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let's hear it. Let's cut her down. It's always nice to be able to have a family member that you can kind of relate to in that way. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because you're really the only people who know what it feels like to be related to that person. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have someone to go, oh, man, Grandma's being really annoying today or just to have that person to look to when someone does something really annoying so like, that you uh-huh. can go. You, you don't even need to say anything. You can just look at each other and be like, yep, this is happening. They're doing this again. Yeah, exactly. Jean makes reference to the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe when Bob is stuck in the crawl space. And this book is written by C.S. Lewis. But he claims that it's written by Salman Rushdie. <laughs> I had no idea who this author was, so I had to look him up. He wrote a novel called The Satanic Verses, which was inspired in part by the life of Muhammad, the prophet. This book caused a major controversy, provoking protests from Muslims in many countries. He even received death threats, and he was put under police protection for a while. And somehow Jean knows who this is. How does Jean know who this is? What books is he reading? What are they teaching at school? Gene is what, 11? Yeah. Okay, so you're 11, you're in grade six, maybe? What grade, (laughs) what child in grade six is reading anything by Salman Rushdie? Maybe he's just trying to learn ahead. Yeah, he's broadening his horizons, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. Definitely. Gene seems like. Totally do that. Oh, yeah. We mentioned earlier that Bob is a all-beef person. That's because Gloria mentions that Al can't have, like, ham burgers. He could have a turkey burger. What do you think is up with Bob's aversion to other proteins? I think he's just very protective about his burgers. I think what he is in his own eyes is an artist. And as soon as you introduce something else into the mix that's not conventional then it no longer is a hamburger. And that's what he creates. That's his that's his joie de vivre. That's what makes him get up in the morning, is to create an amazing hamburger with a hilarious name. And as soon as you introduce something like turkey or tuna or, you know, bison or whatever, introducing other outside meats starts to change what Bob's definition of a burger is. So maybe he's just very protective about that. So he's a purist, is what you're Absolutely. telling me. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, I would think that Bob, because he is an artist, would want to try all different kinds of meat. So try turkey burgers, chicken burgers, you know, elk, bison. I don't know. I'm trying to think of that animal with the pouch in it right now. Kangaroo. Kangaroo. Kangaroo burgers. You never know. I feel like Bob would want to try these things, but maybe he's just a little too stuck in his ways. I think partially it's because it's his in-laws as well. Oh, well, of course. So <laughs> his... if he can deny Gloria anything, Oh, he absolutely. A hundred percent. So if somebody else were to, you know, suggest a different burger, somebody that he admired, then perhaps he would be more open to trying something new instead of my in-laws want to try a turkey burger. Nope. It's not turkey. <laughs> it's not a hamburger. Yeah. He really does enjoy giving those silly names to burgers. And if he did add other ingredients, then he'd probably have so many more options and possibilities. Exactly. You know what, Bob? Broaden your horizons. Do as Gene does. Don't let your dreams be dreams. 
So Louise messes with the burger of the day for the second time in as many episodes. Bob tells her to write never been feta and she writes foot feta-ish burger. I don't think she ends up doing this too often in the later seasons. No, I think she that really Louise loses interest in messing with the burger of the day, which is kind of sad because she always comes up with funny ones. I like them. I don't think necessarily <laughs> she loses interest. I think Bob stops letting her get close to the chalkboard. He learns <laughs> his <point>. lesson. <laughs> okay, good point. So Bob's trapped in the walls. Bob is trapped in the walls. And Linda decides to call Teddy, the contractor, to retrieve her husband. Bob refuses Teddy's help and spends his first night in the crawl space. Grandma Gloria and Grandpa Al get busy in Jean's room. Oh, God. Yeah. Which further confuses Tina's budding sexuality. Louise performs a seance in the restaurant to mess with her friends, and Linda discovers that Bob lied about being stuck. Mm-hmm. So Louise has friends in these in this episode, and I don't think she really has them later on. I don't think they're her friends. I think they're classmates that she is trying to torment. Oh, yeah, okay. That makes more sense than Louise's yeah. you know perspective. Yes. I think that those are gullible people. I mean, they're pretty stupid. They keep asking Bob if he's the ghost from the movie Ghost or the ghost from the movie Ghost Dad. So <laughs> Bill Cosby's if I was in the walls. Louise, I would think the same thing. These girls deserve this. <laughs> yeah, she's probably at school like, hey, you want to come back to my dad's restaurant? He died here. Exactly. You know, Louise just likes making up stories and messing with people. She loves messing with people, and we learn that a little bit more at the end of this episode. So it's, it's pretty exciting to see her characters kind of evolving into more of a schemer and manipulative trickster and kind of a little disturber. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Louise's character, and she really stole the show in the first episode, and she's doing it again in the second episode. You know, it can only go up from here. I don't know. I would say that Bob makes this episode for me. He's pretty fantastic. <laughs> His Nagatha Christie okay, was that is, amazing. That is pretty good. Nagatha Ann, not so good. But Nagatha Ann is pretty good. Uh, no, I'm going to go with Nagatha Christie wins right. this battle. Right. Okay. I think, I wish that Linda was given a little bit more to do. She's still, She's still exactly nagging. the nagging wife. She doesn't get much else in this episode. So we don't really know much about her personality. And it'll be nice to get to see her do a little bit more in the future. But Teddy is introduced in this act, and I love Teddy so much. Even right off the bat, he's oh, fantastic. Yeah. He's immediately introduced as somebody who just keeps telling stories and just won't stop. And he ends up telling some really fantastically boring stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some really bad ones. But yeah. I like this first one. He ends up talking about how this town used to be a bootleggers town. And that explains why this crawl space is so massive. Mm -hmm. I have never in my life heard of a crawl space that big that goes from the top floor to the bottom floor. Honestly, listener, if you have a crawl space like this or you've been in one, tell me what it's like because that feels like it would be really scary, but also really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also... Teddy's talking about how his uncle or somebody used to have a speakeasy mm -hmm. called Swankies and how they invented this drink called the Swanky Panky. <laughs> and I've never heard of a drink called the Swanky Panky, but I ended up finding one online and it's basically water, lime juice, honey, and a lot of brown sugar and some rum. But the drink that I think he's trying to tell Bob about is actually called a hanky panky. It's <laughs> an ounce and a half of Italian vermouth, 
an ounce and a half of dry gin, and two dashes of Fernet Branca, which is apparently a bitter herbal liqueur. You stir it over ice and then add a squeeze of orange and a piece of orange peel. That sounds really fancy for Teddy. That sounds really fancy. <laughs> no way Teddy is drinking something like that. But He you know, ate a sponge. No, but he's talking... <laughs> he will eat a sponge. That's true. He you're will talking, eat a sponge. We're talking from the past here, Jason. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Teddy is definitely the kind of person who curls up with like a really cheap beer at night. But he's not talking about himself. He's talking about a speakeasy called Swankies, you know, and they invented this drink. It sounds interesting. I've never had a drink like this. I don't really know what vermouth tastes like. Do you? I think it's very bitter. Okay. So like a weird, bittery orange drink? Citrusy, maybe? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I'd give it a shot. Why not? Hanky Panky. It has a stupid name. Let's go. So not only is Teddy very chatty while Bob is stuck in the crawl space, he makes a comment about his therapist telling him he has to value his time. So we get a hint that he's not the most emotionally stable person, which we will see in the future. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have a whole lot of self-confidence either. No, not a lot of self-confidence. And he looks the type. Like, that's sad to say, but it's true. You know, he hasn't clearly hasn't shaved in a while. He's drawn that way. Yeah, that's true. He's hairy and he kind of is a little bit larger and his hat is all, yeah. He doesn't have great posture. That's true. Yeah. He doesn't exude confidence, let's just say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we still love Teddy. Yes. Love him. Every time Teddy's in the show, oh, love him. Linda finds out that Bob is... A liar? A dang dirty liar. Filthy liar. (laughs) Filthy. (laughs) But then Bob actually ends up getting stuck in the crawl space and spends three days in there. The final act documents Bob's downward spiral into insanity. Meanwhile, Louise messes with her guidance counselor, Mr. Frond, by pretending to be distraught over the loss of her father. Mr. Frond pays a visit to the Belcher home and Grandma Gloria saves the day. Mm -hmm. Twice. 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 So Grandma Gloria for the win. Yep. Yep. And her weird noises and... Oh, the throat clearing. That's one of the reasons that Bob really doesn't like her is she just makes these weird noises and she coughs a lot and she's a big nagger. And Have she's... you ever had a friend or a relative that's like that, that makes weird noises or has these... Mannerisms? Yeah, mannerisms that just grate on your nerves. No, luckily. Oh, well, you're lucky. Yeah, I, I mean, can... I don't think a personality counts as a mannerism. There's some oh. really sh- <laughs> interesting personalities I've come across, but uh, mannerisms, no. Personalities are a little bigger. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. We have another first for this episode. It's the first time that we see the Wagstaff School mm-hmm. and the first time we meet Mr. Frond. Yes, Mr. Frond. And his wonderful posters on his walls. Oh, yes. Hop on the self-esteem boat. And don't forget your respectacles. Oh, God, that's so <laughs> bad. It's honestly like in another life, he could be best friends with Bob because they love really terrible puns. They do love their puns. Yeah. And Mr. Frond also has the wonderful puppets. 
The grief puppets. The grief puppets and that wonderful red flag. And the crisis crayons. The crisis crayons. Should I bring the crisis crayons? Yes, we need those. <laughs> I have so many drawings. <laughs> I love Louise. She's the yeah. best. All right. So there's some great movie references in this episode. Yes, several references to The Shining, which I'm not as familiar with as you are. It's been a few years, but I did notice the obvious ones. The title cards showing the time that Bob has been spending in the crawl space, um, they say things like the next day, a couple hours later, 24 hours later. And in The Shining, they do that for the days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, etc., when Jack and his family are caretakers at the Overlook. And what are the other references? Well, there's the obvious scene where Bob believes that he's in a bar. Yes, the bar that is so very clearly in the crawl space. Yeah, I mean, it could be right around the corner. Well, it's this just, town was a bootlegger's town. It could be speakeasy. You never know. Yeah. Bob could be making so much money off of this crawl space bar, and he is just missing out, because it is a nice bar. He really has to go to the bathroom, too. Yeah. It's been a few days, and he's really got to poop. Another <laughs> another poop joke. Bob hasn't had his four o'clock meeting. Yeah, he has to, he's so used to having his little meetings, and he hasn't been able to have any of them. Mm-hmm. So... Um, after the bar hallucination where he talks to the bartender, which is, uh, Kuchikopi, Louise's nightlight, who we see later on, Louise's favorite nightlight. She's very territorial about it. Yeah. After the bar scene, we see Bob in the bathroom, hallucinating, talking to Kuchikopi again, who lets him know that Gloria is trying to introduce an outside meat into the menu. Mm-hmm. So in The Shining, Jack Torrance is actually talking to who in this scene? He's talking to the old caretaker, Grady, who was the person who killed his whole family and killed himself in the movie. So he's like the cautionary tale for Jack. Absolutely. Which he completely ignores. Yes. (laughs) Go figure. Of course. (laughs) And he also tells Jack to correct his family. Oh, that was a good R roll. I know, I rolled it pretty well. I trailed it. And in Bob's hallucination, Kuchikopi tells Bob to correct Gloria. Which uh, is a little creepy, but thankfully he doesn't do any such thing. Yes, he's insinuating that he should kill his mother-in-law. Yeah, it's, and it's good. if we went with the original premise of the show, that they were cannibals, oh. then I guess he could have just been, you know, it could have been his way of buying his meat, yeah. I suppose. There could have been a new, like, Gloria burger. That's gross. I don't bit. think Linda would approve of this. No. 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 Okay, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> So while Bob is stuck in the crawl space, he's going a little stir crazy and he starts yelling at his customers through the walls. So we get this idea here that Bob might not be the best businessman, that clearly he has a talent for making burgers, but he might not have the social expertise to deal with customers on a daily basis. Honestly, I don't think anybody in the family has the social expertise to deal with customers. Definitely not Tina. No. Teen is awful. I think Linda's probably the best at it. We'll see that later, but she clearly is able to shimmy 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 shake. No, to schmooze. I was trying to say. <laughs> to schmooze it up with the customers. Yeah, Linda's clearly the best at schmoozing oh, yeah. with people. For sure. While Bob is going crazy at the restaurant, Tina is at her school finishing gym class. She decides to crawl up into the ceiling and then overhears the boys talking in the boys' locker room. So she goes over and starts peeking. And I have to say, this scene made me uncomfortable 
because <laughs> really? no, yeah, actually, okay. Because if the genders were reversed, all of a sudden we would have a problem. If you think of it as Jean crawling up into the ceiling and looking into the girls' change room, those girls would feel violated, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not meant to be anything controversial. Of course, this is just. Tina's budding sexuality coming into play again. She's very young. It's not like she understands consent at this point or that what she's doing would be something bad that you're you're violating someone's right to privacy. Mm-hmm. But I have to say it made me uncomfortable watching it again, thinking I would not be okay what if it with was... this in real life. Right. Okay. That's And fair. she's telling the boys, you know, drop the towel. She's trying to see them nude. It's pervy. Tina is pretty pervy. Yes. Um, what if the roles were reversed, but it was Daniel from the unaired pilot? So if it was really awkward, Daniel, same everything, and he was up there. I would hope that Linda and Bob would sit him down and have a conversation about how that's wrong. I think they would probably still do that with Tina. I think they're probably still going to do that with Tina. Um But I do like that scene because it shows that Tina really looks up to her dad. She only went up there because she was thinking, well, what would my dad do? And since he's in the crawl space, she thought, well, I'm just going to go on the crawl space too. (laughs) So she worms her way up there and tries to get her peak on. And everything that Tina does romantically or in the interest of boys throughout the show is very kind of pervy. She likes when guys fight over her she likes checking out their butts she writes erotic friend fiction she's not innocent she's not not pervy you're right yeah you're right i just feel like maybe the show relies on her gender a little too much because because i don't think that these jokes would fly as well or land as well if it was Daniel doing these things instead of Tina. Which I think is totally fair because she is awkward and uncomfortable. So it's kind of humorous. Mm-hmm. It's set in a humorous tone that, oh, look, there's this weirdo climbing in the, the ceiling. And there's so many movies that's an idea, like Porky's and just guys trying to peek on girls in the locker room. So they thought, well, let's reverse the trope. Let's do it the other way around. Girls oh, peeking on the guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're not used to seeing young girls really take charge of their sexuality in any way and Mm -hmm. own that sexuality, which is what I think is so interesting about Tina. She's not ashamed. No, she's very empowered by it. She doesn't hide her erotic friend fiction that we'll find out about later. She's not the type of person to really feel shame or fear about telling someone how she feels um, Mm -hmm. or telling someone about her urges so she really does own that sexuality so are you saying she's a great role model yes and no yes and no (laughs) i would want to have some pretty serious conversations with tina about consent what is appropriate and what is not i think that is perfectly fine that she embraces her sexuality and that she's taking her time to really figure herself out in that sense and the show and in the show absolutely But I don't think it's appropriate for her to do things like peeking on boys in the locker room. Right. Um, Invading anyone's privacy is just a big no-no. Sure. Regardless of what gender you are. Of course. And we also can't forget that this is the same show that in the very first episode, 
they were suggesting Gene go out and help the guy who looks like a child molester because he's less likely to be molested. No, you're it's, very it's, true because he's, yes, because he's heavy. Because he's heavy. It's it's a show that doesn't really, at this point in its life, it's still early and it doesn't really know where it's going to be yet. Um, mm-hmm. So it doesn't hold its punches and iffy conversations and situations yet. It's still a little risque in that sense, I guess. You can't really see the uh, the implications of what the characters are doing. Like a dad suggesting that one of their kids may get molested to, to send a different one. I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> that's a little... Yes, yes. You can tell that the writers were definitely expecting a adult audience. They were not expecting children to be watching this show. Yeah. And I can feel the change in the writing in the later seasons when they've realized that children are watching their show, that they do have an audience that ranges from you know, someone who's maybe six years old to someone who's in their 60s. Mm-hmm. They have a really wide range in their audience. Yeah, there is a big tonal shift. And it's, mm-hmm. it's great to see a mm-hmm. show that evolves like that mm-hmm. and just gets better and better. And they tackle a lot more interesting issues when they don't pigeonhole themselves into a gross out humor show, something like that. We just got to keep pushing the boundaries and see how we can gross out our audience every week. <laughs> Instead, they're like, okay, well, let's show family values every week. Yeah. Which they do, which is great. They do, but they don't do it in a preachy way, which yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, it's not in your face, which is no, great. No, And we do see that at the end of the episode, when Gloria and Bob wrestle through the wall. Yes, they do. That's our, that's our other Shining reference. Mm-hmm. When Gloria pushes Bob through the wall, she yells, here's Bobby. Here's which is a clear, Bobby. clear reference to Jack Nicholson yelling, here's Johnny. Mm-hmm. Which... Is his name John or Jack? It's Jack. Okay, well, figure out your own name, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, at this point, he's going crazy. That's true. We can't blame him. That's true. Maybe it's a Johnny Carson reference. Mm -hmm. So Linda ends up telling Mr. Frond, who's threatening to call child services, she ends up telling him to just back off because this family is great, even though they are a little bit wacky. Zany. Zany. Unconventional. Mm-hmm. And then Bob gets another great nag pun. He calls Linda the secretary of nagriculture, which is my favorite thing about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think I really love that secretary of nagriculture is fantastic. I don't even want to try and top it. That's fair. Yeah. Leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the episode, we finish on Bob and Louise wrestling over the Coochie Kopi nightlight. Aw. It's so cute. And just, again, we're seeing that they're so alike that they're kind of both irrational and a little crazy, but they clearly have this deep love and affection for each other, Mm -hmm. which I adore. Yeah, they both have a very uh, territorial nature as well. Mm -hmm. Bob's very territorial. We find out in later seasons. And, of course, Louise, very much so. Very protective about her Kuchikobi. Yes, they are both. Very possessive, very protective people. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. That's that's good insight. Huh. All right. <laughs> Don't seem so that. surprised. Oh, come on. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> All right, Jason. We're going to finish up this episode with our burger of the week. All right. Where's the so... drum roll? Okay, you're terrible. 
I'll go first, I guess, because I don't know. I'm starting to feel like that insight there made me a little nervous. So these are my burgers up for competition. That's cute that you have to come up with so many just to compete against my one. You're the worst. (laughs) Shush. Okay. So my first burger of the week was the Monterey Jack Torrance, which would have Monterey Jack cheese and maybe a beer marinade. Because I do remember you telling me that Jack Torrance was a recovering alcoholic. Yes. And yeah. that burger, I don't eat meat, but that burger sounds good. Yeah, beer-battered burgers are very popular. Yeah. And my second burger was Here Comes Salami. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's good, right? It's good. Okay. It would be a beef patty either mixed with German salami or have slices of salami on top. If it was the slices of salami on top, I think you'd have mozzarella cheese and maybe like a uh, marinara sauce on there. Okay. So kind of almost like a pizza type of oh, burger. Oh, yeah. Okay. You could melt the cheese over work. top of it. Yeah. I think that would be probably really good. Okay, Jason, can you beat my burgers? Um, that sounds weird. Anyway. I'm, <laughs> I was struggling with the name, but I think I would call it the Oh Burger, Where Art Thou? <laughs> what? And it would just be the burger hidden inside the buns. How would you hide a burger inside the buns? I don't know. Maybe okay, like, so you would take a fully cooked That's kind of like asking how they make caramel. Yeah. You don't ask how they do it. It's, it's magic. Yes, it's magic. It's caramel magic. So you'd have, because Bob is inside the walls. So you would have the patty inside the buns. But what's the, oh brother, where art... Oh, Burger, Where Art Thou? Yeah, what's that a reference to? The movie, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? What is the reference to this week? The burger? Where's the burger? Where's Bob? He's inside. No one says, Oh, Bob, Where Art Thou? I think my burger wins. I'm going with with movie references. Like, last week was Corpse Pride, so this is Oh, Burger, Where Art Thou? Yeah, but Corpse Pride made, like, way more sense. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so I think mine wins this week. And judging on laughter alone is clearly Here Comes Salami. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll give you that one. Yeah, that's a great one. (laughs) It's pretty good. So we are one for one now. I've won once. You've won once. I've won more recently, so it matters more. I let you win this one. (laughs) All right, so that brings us to the end of Burger of the Week a Multiverse Radio production. If you like our show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes, and you can follow us on Twitter at Multiverse Radio. You can also visit our website, multiverseradio.ca. See you next week for our review of Episode 3, Sacred Cow. Keep on sizzling! Oh my god. (laughs) Tina's awful. I think Linda's probably the best at it. We'll see that later, but she clearly is able to... <laughs> to shimmy shimmy shake. <laughs> to shimmy shimmy. No, to schmooze. The title cards showing uh, Bob's dis. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Blooper reel. This is Vivian making fun of Jason. Um, this is you going <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, you just went all over here. Yeah, well, do you too? Oh my god. God. Please just mark this as a blooper. Okay. The title cards. (laughs)
What? Okay, never mind. Okay, I got to mark another one now. <laughs>